Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. We roar along the rust belts, the great red spot, the polar vortex, the caress of solar flares, ruffle the molten methane and ammonia oceans of me, the storm-riven non-surface of me and mine, that which you call skin, a threadbare term to describe where I stop and others begin. Welcome to Celestial Bodies Jupiter, the 134th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of poet Jan Ruslo. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. Mary Beach, my name is Gwen. I'm Ode's mother. And obviously I did a little silence there yes, because we were missing Carr. We were missing Carr this episode. He is out with a terrible migraine and is taking a nap in the hopes of sleeping it off. That's right. He has worked very, very hard this week. Mm-hmm. And he worked today as well. And it just all kind of caught up to him. So, yep. so it's just us. So if you want to send out some good energies for Carr mm-hmm. and some strength. To continue getting through all these busy, busy weeks. Yes. Because it'll start back up again tomorrow. <laughs> all right, let's start with housekeeping. I'll, I'll talk about the things Carr does, Car does. On Sundays at 2 p.m., unless he is at work like he was today, mm-hmm. Carr hosts and participates in a Zoom call that is freely open to everyone in the Pride. Links are usually posted in the Discord and sometimes in the Facebook. It is just a structureless chat. Just a meetup. Yeah, where where people just talk about things. He started it early into a pandemic lockdown (laughs) because... He, he was losing his mind. He was going stir-crazy. Car is a true extrovert who needs social interaction. Everyone seemed to enjoy it, so they're continuing on, at least through 2021, I believe, is, yes, the, is I, the current plan. I believe that is the current plan. But I believe he's also next, on Tuesday. On this Tuesday, I believe, yeah. This upcoming Tuesday, he does Three Pagans on Tap. Yes. Three the Odinsons. Yes, the Odinsons. Two of the Odinsons. Two of the Odinsons. Carr does a video cast on Mm -hmm. Facebook Live and YouTube Live, Mm -hmm. where Carr, Sarenth Odinson, and Malik Odinson talk about alcohols and occasionally non-alcoholic beverages as well, and how they relate those things to their gods and their Their pagan practices. Mm -hmm. That is correct. Mm -hmm. Which is a, a very fun and informative romp. So with you listening to this on Monday evening, Mm -hmm. this uh, three pagans on tap, Yes. Episode will be on Tuesday, Tuesday at 7 p.m. That's right. Eastern. If you search for Three Pagans on Tap on Facebook or on YouTube, you should be able to find it. Yep. Swan says, and then they get snickered and it's hilarious. Yes. They drink <laughs> a lot of, of various alcohols in the course uh-huh. of this broadcast. So they get increasingly amusing. Sometimes <laughs> it's worse than others, depending uh-huh. on what they're doing. I don't know if they're drinking, drinking like hard liquor. Depends on, you know, how much alcohol content is involved. But uh, they definitely do get increasingly amusing over time. That is true. Go ahead and talk about the things you do. I am writing a blog on Patheos Pagan. The most recent blog is 
on Ostara or actually on the spring equinox. But anyway, it's just sharing uh, some recipes and some just some basic information about the spring equinox. Fun. Fun stuff. Uh, And I don't know anything about this podcast, but since Car is out this week and since it is the beginning of the month, it is time to read the names of all the patrons. And with no Car, that's my job. (laughs) So... I now get the the fun experience of trying to pronounce all of your names. That's right. To start with, we have 42 kittens whose names are not read, but whom we appreciate greatly. We love you, kittens. Mm-hmm. We have 23 cats, and their names are Blue Moon, Suzanne Anderson, Sarah O'Dell, Hannah F., Shelby, The Dryad, J.D., Cabra, Michael Adonisio, Tiffany, Rhonda Graham, Christine Phillips, Squiggy, Alyssa Durka, Megan, Coney Briggs, Cheryl, Shakora, Rebecca Hillman, Cindy Barrick, Soror Kaff, Jasmine Ray Bell, and M. Tyvalsari. Thank you, uh, cats. Yes. We love you. We love our cats. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the many, 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 many hunters. It's going to be the long one. We have 90 hunters. So everyone settle in. 90? Seriously? 90 hunters. 90! <laughs> yep. Are we reaching a cap? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we can put a cap on hunters. I think we just said however many you want. Hunters, you're amazing. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, we love you. Yep. So and now I'm going to read all of your names all of your, okay. or, or attempt. Sinead Odinson, Brianna Beep Boop, Kitty Crittenden, Patrick Saylor, Jaden Hill, Samwise the Blonde, Blackbird K, Sam Sanchez, Studio Prey, Jen Hutt. Martha Kirby Capo, Morgan King, Luna, Swan Ferrywater, Alicia Marlowe, Kirsten Hankins, Sonia Dea, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Logan Olafson, Caleb King, Autumn Tooley, Shivey, Rose Cerniak, Disgruntled Honeybee, Heather Nunley, Meg Parks, Beck Blackwell, Rhiannon M. Gray, Andy Olson, Tanya Maria, Cosmic Rose, La Petite Poisson, Ken Hub, Indigo, Cara B, Loriana Lee Knapp, Sprouty, Hojin Co, Sloth, Melissa Gerben, Megan Kipper, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Melkor, Ben Walburn, Keelan Casey, Brittany, Roshala and Dasveed, Emily Miller, second page. <laughs> I love some of y'all's names. You're all wonderful. You all have beautiful names. But some of them are just freaking adorable. I'm just going to say it. David Dashifin Keys, Emily Hall, Zamina Kokora, Shaylee Bond, Amy Martin, Darian, Sky Poifair, Scooby, Jax, The Pirate Cove, Juniper Shadowcat, Elfwort, Stephanie Edwards, Pablo B. Fodor, Olwyn Crow, Sarenth Odinson, Bushi Ursa, Felicia Welton, Misha Magdalene, Sarah Grace, Victoria Selness, Megara, The Sugar Maple Seder, Finn Odinson, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Kimberly Lockerbie, Rana, Dahlia Darge, Meredith Kenton, Zacchaeus, Laura Loki, Jace Helmer, Alora Driver, Jessica Jones, Briar Aldridge, Darby Lockridge, Gary Bearstorm, Charles Howison, and Stevie Thompson. And we love every single one of you. Yes. And again, thank you. All 90 of you. Yes. Thanks. Thanks to all 90 all of our hunters. 90 of our hunters. We appreciate you immensely. And as a reminder, 
hunters and above get access to the patron questions discord channel and the live recording that we do on Sundays. That's right. Oh, and Rhiannon says, tell Carr we miss him, though. We love the ode, but the comedy of the name fuck-ups is a vital part of 3 <laughs> <laughs> And I make no pretensions that I know how to pronounce these names any better than Carr does. Next, leopards. There are 15 leopards. Wow. Yep. They are Nicholas, Gabby Gabberson, Chris Mickelson, Katie Robinson, Sean Starr, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Stephanie W., Ellen Veals, L. Faithful, Mackenzie Boyer, Chris Colibri, Gemma Atkinson, Foxchild, Quinn Ann ASMR, and Akaneko 13. And we love you, Leopards. Mm -hmm. And remember, you are in that group that can also watch us on the Get Vocal. Yep. That does not get recorded, but you should have access to. Yep. We have eight tigers, and they are Chris Ashburn, Kristen Gill, Elaine Glantzberg, Raymond Stovall, Nix Fallingleaf, Tree Wizard Creations, Ardaren Summit, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. <laughs> because we still won't attempt to say her last name. Nope. And we love you, tigers. Next, we have Panthers. I think so. Of which there are two. Mm -hmm. And their names are Melissa Negron Chilling and Elizabeth Bull. Thank you to both of our Panthers. Yes. And Jaguars. Jaguars. Of which there are three. And they are Kirsten Ray, Amanda Hicks, and Justin Stanage. That's right. And we love our Jaguars. Yes. And, and we love to say Jaguars. Jaguars. If anybody remembers, that is actually from a commercial for the yes, Jaguars. Yes, for the, the cars. The cars. Do they and not do that anymore? No, they don't. But it was Tom Hiddleston saying Jaguar. Jaguar. And it was like so sexy and so awesome. So it was like. We've been doing it ever we've since. We've been doing it ever since. Jaguar. And yeah, uh, Rana says correctly. Ode just mispronounces with authority. <laughs> That's exactly the case. That's right. That's always been my position. If I don't know how to pronounce something, just say it like I do. Yep, that's right. You know, just just, just with confidence. Just then people out. Then if corrected, I will attempt to correct my pronunciation. <laughs> but I'm not going to fumble over it the first time either. I'm just going to make a solid attempt and call right. it good. That's right. That's right. But we do, again, we love all of our patrons and we love all our listeners. And we're glad you're mm -hmm. sticking with us. Even when it's just us two. I don't know. We're, we're getting yeah. into the weeds here. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I think we should move on to our topic. Yes. Which I loved that, that opening quote. What was that again? That was from a poem called Bags of Mostly Water. Nice. By Jan Ruslow in a poetry collection that I can't remember the title of right now. But if you look up Jan Ruslow, and that is spelled Y-A-N-N-R-O-U-S-S-E-L-O-T. This is the primary poetry collection. Well, it's, it's uh, very dramatic sounding. I felt like there should be the planet's music, mm -hmm. playing, you know, Jupiter's music playing behind it yeah. because it was so, so beautiful and just dramatic. And of course, Jupiter is a huge, beautiful, dramatic planet. So as <laughs> always, we start with science. That's right. <laughs> uh, Jupiter is in fact the largest planet in our solar system. Mm -hmm. It is 1,000th the mass of the sun. But if you combined all the other planets mm -hmm. into one super planet, Jupiter would still be two and a half times larger than that super planet. I also read uh, a description that said if the Earth was the size of a grape, mm -hmm. Jupiter would be the size of a basketball. Yeah. Just Jupiter is that enormous. Enormous planet. 
unfathomably huge. In fact, it has a, a significant, if still uncertain, effect on the gravity of the whole solar system. Yes. In fact, I was reading that some astronomers believe that it is the massive gravity mm-hmm. that kind of propels comets and asteroids either into its its belts, mm-hmm. because it also has some, some, it has uh, some debris. debris belts, but or just pushes them out of the get the solar system so, altogether. Yeah, so there are there are competing opinions about the effect of Jupiter's massive gravity well. Mm-hmm. Some scientists think that it has basically no effect on the amount of comets that come near Earth because sometimes its gravity essentially slingshots things around it mm-hmm. and towards the towards. inner solar system. Other astronomers believe that and this was the this is the older position which some people are still maintaining. Jupiter's mass essentially protects the inner solar system from the Oort cloud Mm. and from all the objects in it that might otherwise penetrate into the inner solar system, instead get caught up in Jupiter's gravity well and either collide with it or get absorbed, get get broken up into its 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 very faint rings. There's a lot of debate about the effect of that gravity on sort of solar motion in general. Mm -hmm. It's like the big protector of the solar systems is kind of what they're thinking. Right, that's certainly the, that's the prevailing theory. Yeah. Which is appropriate because it's named after uh, a protective god. Right. But we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting that it is a gas planet. Yeah, so the composition of Jupiter was mysterious for a long time. It's thought to be the oldest planet to form in the solar system. So Mm -hmm. it's thought that Jupiter formed first beyond the snow line when the solar system was first being formed. Mm -hmm. But we, for a long time, were really, really unsure about how gas giants worked Mm -hmm. and about how Jupiter in particular worked. So Mm -hmm. there were a lot of competing theories. Some people thought maybe it didn't have a core at all. It was just gas all the way through at various densities. Or maybe it has a solid core. Right. Maybe it had a small solid core with a very broad, dense atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But we finally in, no, it was 2016. Because we've had lots of... We've, we've sent lots of probes and, and done lots of flybys yeah, of Jupiter. Lots of unmanned spaceships. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's up to seven or something. So starting in 1973... The flybys of Jupiter, which is where a probe is not entering a a geosynchronous orbit around Jupiter, but is just passing by and taking measurements as it does so. Starting in 1973, there was Pioneer, then Voyager, Ulysses, Cassini, and New Horizons. Now, Mm -hmm. some of those, the flyby of Jupiter was not their primary purpose. Uh, New Horizons, in particular, was using Jupiter's mass to actually slingshot itself, gain some momentum, and adjust its trajectory towards Pluto. But it took some measurements of Jupiter while it was doing that flyby. And the great thing about these spaceships is, you know, and these flybys, that's how they learned about the rings. Yeah, and and lots of other things about Jupiter. Jupiter. Um, There have been two orbital missions to Jupiter. The first was the Galileo probe, which orbited Jupiter for multiple years and eventually was intentionally driven into the planet to break up inside Jupiter because there was a risk that if it shut down due to the radiation that Jupiter puts off, it might collide with one of the moons, potentially Europa, which is thought to potentially contain the possibility of life. So they didn't want to contaminate Europa with space junk, so they intentionally drove Galileo into Jupiter. The current orbital spacecraft around Jupiter is Juno. Mm -hmm. That's been operating for a number of years. Its mission was extended relatively recently into at least 2021. 
Whether it's going to continue functioning for too much longer is an open question because, again, Jupiter puts off a lot of radiation and that has damaging effects on the equipment. But one of the things that Juno, the most recent orbital spacecraft, discovered was that Jupiter does have a core, but they think it was originally a relatively small rocky core, which has since possibly due to some kind of impact relatively early in its formation, broken up and gotten diffused into the mantle of Jupiter. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not a solid core anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like a broken sort of particulated core that's mixed with the mantle, which is made up of, they think, metallic hydrogen. My understanding is it doesn't really have like an Earth crust, like what, no, like what we have. It, it does not. The, the mantle in this case would be yeah, the metallic the, hydrogen, yeah. which is, okay. <laughs> so... The composition of Jupiter, as far as we can tell, is about 90% hydrogen, about 10% helium. Mm -hmm. Not by mass. Helium is more massive than hydrogen. Mm -hmm. So by mass, it's about 24%. By volume, it's about 10%. Yeah, but that uh, is its atmosphere. That's its atmosphere. And then it has other trace elements. It has trace elements of methane, ammonia, water vapor, neon, oxygen, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But But it's all in gas form. Sort of. Right? The, the total makeup of Jupiter is mostly hydrogen, but not all of that hydrogen is gaseous, they think. Mm-hmm. They think the outer atmosphere of Jupiter is gaseous, but as it goes deeper into the planet towards the, what I guess you would call the damaged core, it gets denser and hotter and it changes state mm. to a super critical state where it is neither gas nor liquid. It's in a state sort of between gas and liquid. So it has some of the features of both. And it just sort of, there's not like a clean line where it stops being gas and becomes liquid Liquid. metallic hydrogen. It just sort of gradually fades as it gets deeper into the the planet Mm -hmm. uh, until it reaches that diffused core. Right. But the bulk of the planet, they think, is that metallic hydrogen that's sort of semi-liquid. Oh, and by the way, Rana says that according to, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, 2001, 2010, Mm -hmm. the core is a diamond. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure what science Arthur C. Clarke is using to make that determination. Intuitive. Intuitive (laughs) science. And of course, everybody knows, stay the fuck off Europa. Yes, stay off Europa, because it might contain life. (laughs) of what kind we're not sure so some other interesting things about jupiter it has about three thousand miles of atmosphere deep Mm, that's a lot of atmosphere (laughs) yeah i understand that it's the it's the atmosphere swirling with like ammonia and water and the helium and the hydrogen that makes the colors that we see exactly the the visual look of Jupiter. Which is actually quite beautiful. Which is really, really beautiful. Yeah, and we have some very nice high-resolution colored photos of it now mm-hmm. because of these various flybys mm-hmm. and, and orbiting missions. Mm-hmm. But the composition of the clouds on Jupiter is thought to be made of mostly ammonia crystals that so are... crunchy clouds. Yeah, that are swirling in this very deep, dense atmosphere. Wow. Winds in Jupiter's jet streams... Mm-hmm can easily exceed 220 miles per hour. Holy cow. (laughs) 
Like that's a normal day is yeah. 220 miles per hour winds. Oh, I can't wait till you talk about the days and the years of Jupiter. Yeah. Jupiter itself radiates more heat than it receives from the sun. Aren't there some theories that it is a, a it's basically a star that didn't quite make it? There is some, <laughs> yes, there is some science to suggest that under the right conditions, Jupiter could essentially condense itself to a dwarf star. Okay. That could hypothetically still happen. If, I, I if, foresee if it, problems exactly, with that. Exactly, if, if it met the right conditions. And then I guess this would become, after a lot of catastrophic damage to the, the other planets in the solar yeah, system, yeah. this would become a binary star system, presumably, if Jupiter were ever to... To actually live to its full potential. Right, and become... Become a, uh, a star. star on its own. <laughs> um, Don't do it, Jupiter. Right. It's not. It's not uh, fusing right now. So, <laughs> but but it is radiating a tremendous amount of heat and radiation, and it actually produces substantial detectable radio waves that are detectable from Earth. Yeah, uh, yeah. relatively easily. It's really interesting. Jupiter is is actually pretty easy to see. It's the third brightest object in the night sky from Earth after the Moon and Venus. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Mars will outshine Jupiter depending on where they are in their respective Alignment. orbits. Mm -hmm. But Jupiter is extremely when Jupiter bright. Aligns, aligns with, Mars. with Mars. Yes. <laughs> but Jupiter is extremely bright, very, very easy to see in the night sky. And consequently it was of course unknown by a lot of ancient civilizations. The Babylonians associated it with Marduk and actually used Jupiter's twelve year transit through its orbit to determine the stations of their zodiac. Oh, interesting. Yeah. In Greek, the planet or the, the visible celestial body mm -hmm. of Jupiter was known as Phaethon, which meant the burning one. Mm -hmm. uh, and in Hindu, it was known as Brihatsbi, and sometimes called Guru. Interesting. So it was thought to be uh, a teacher star. A teacher star. Mm -hmm. I also learned in reading about Jupiter that that red spot is actually a giant storm that has been swirling for like over a hundred years. Possibly well more than that. So, so yeah, the Great Red Spot is an anticyclonic storm, but it's been stable since at least 1813. Mm -hmm. However, there is a 1665 mention in a philosophical treatise that a man named Mr. Hook with a 12-foot telescope saw what he described as a great spot on one of Jupiter's visible bands that moved uh, about halfway across the visible surface of Jupiter in the course of about six hours, which could potentially be the earliest sighting of the Great Red Spot. Oh my gosh, that's interesting. Yeah, with just a 12-foot telescope. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Red Spot. Uh -huh. There are some interesting things about the Great Red Spot. Although it's been stable for a very, very long time, it is actually decreasing in size and its mm. color is changing. Interesting. So they don't know exactly what causes the coloration of the Great Red Spot. There's some theories that it's maybe some de-photosynthesized ammonia interacting with some acetylene in the atmosphere. It is those hydrogen crystals. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's unclear exactly what causes the exact coloration of the Great Red I mean, Spot. I have got crispy clouds going on here, right. man. There's, there's a lot of things happening in that atmosphere. But it's been decreasing in size over time, and its color has changed between various flybys from a distinctive sort of burnt orange color to a more subdued dark brown. Hmm. 
So there's some suggestion that the great red spot may actually be fading or dying. So it and that the storm may be dying down and dissipating. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> dun, dun, dun. simultaneously, there used to be these features on Jupiter called white ovals. There were three of them. They were visible in various bands. Presumably they were ovals. They were white ovals. There was some kind of storm formation. They occasionally came close to each other. And then in the year 2000, two of them merged. Hmm. And then a third one merged with those two. Did they become a big white oval? And they became a new red spot. Oh, so that, oh, that's so how it formed. Yeah, so these storms merged and formed what's called, I think, I think it's oval DB, but it's more popularly known as red spot junior. It's not as large as the great red spot yet, but it does seem to be growing as the great red spot is decreasing. That's amazing. I yeah. wonder if it's a cyclical thing. It's, who knows? We're going to keep studying and find out, I guess. That's crazy. That is, that's really, I have the stupidest <laughs> metaphors going on in my brain right now that I'm not going to release into the, into the air because <laughs> this new red spot was created by the fusing of um, three separate ovals. Yeah, ovals. That were white. Three separate white ovals Interesting. merged together to create a new red spot. Huh. So it seems that, that that was functionally three small storms yeah. or weather formations becoming into forming together larger. and becoming a new anticyclonic storm. It makes you wonder Still if like, unclear, each yeah. one has like a different, different element or, or, or something in it that once they're combined, ta-da! Yeah, who knows? You have a red spot. Who knows? Uh, we're still studying that. So maybe Juno will be able to pick up some more data on the subject. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh. So I thought that was very, very interesting. But Jupiter has approximately a 10-hour day. It's actually the fastest planetary rotation in the solar system. So, so a very short day, and then it has a 12-year <laughs> axis around the sun. So one Jovian year is, a, <laughs> is, is 12, is, is 12 Earth, Earth years. And... One Jovian day is 10 Earth hours. So mm -hmm. you get lots of days in a very, very long year. Yeah. And the Jupiter. reason we said Jovian is because Jupiter right, is also, was also known as Jove. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is why it is a Jovian day and a Jovian year. And that's where the term jovial comes that's from. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, so we mentioned the uh, dust rings around Jupiter earlier. Mm -hmm. We're actually not sure where those came from. They're relatively faint rings. They're not as easy to see as the rings on some other planets. They're right. not as distinct. Like Saturn. Exactly. They're they're not as distinct and as separated. Mm -hmm. they're, it's a sort of faint band around Jupiter with less clear <laughs> edges. Right. And it's also, unlike the rings of Saturn, it's... Not an ice ring. Right. It's a dust ring. So the matter, the, the particulate that's making up this ring. Space it's, dust. It's space dust. Makes you wonder if it has some connection to uh, its gravity pushing or pulling various objects. Various objects in and out of the solar system. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of theories about how this ring came to be created, whether it was a result of the actual formation of, of mm -hmm. Jupiter or whether... It's the it's that's a, where all its that's where all its land went right <laughs> all its crust <laughs> went into, into whether, this ring whether it's essentially an accretion disk hmm. an accumulation of the debris of collisions with right. Jupiter so we're not one hundred percent sure how that formed Jupiter does have seventy nine currently uh, satellites total wow yes. I saw 75, so they must have found a few more. Yeah, they keep finding more satellites. Well, There's it keeps more. capturing new objects. And 
they keep reclassifying things. Right, but yeah, right. so it has uh, currently 79 satellites in Jupiter's orbit. Yeah. Not all, exactly. Not all of them are permanent satellites. Some of them are temporarily captured by Jupiter's extreme mass. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of them are so small that they're essentially like calling them a moon is overstating the matter. <laughs> it's like being generous. Uh-huh. It's not really a moon, but we don't want to hurt its feelings. Right. So there are a few sort of classifications for the various objects in Jupiter's gravity well, mm -hmm. but the most prominent are the Galilean moons. Those are the four primary moons of Jupiter, which are Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. Mm -hmm. There's actually an interesting thing about the history of those moons and how they were named. So Galileo discovered the moons first, mm -hmm. and he was the first person to describe them to the public. Mm -hmm. Although we call them the Galilean moons, we don't use Galileo's names for those moons. We use the names that were ascribed by Simon Marius, hmm. who discovered the, the Galilean moons one day after Galileo, independently in another country, but didn't publish about it until a few years later. Oh my gosh. So, How bizarre is that? Yeah. So, so they independently, one day apart from each other, discovered the, these moons. But they went with. But they went with Simon Marius's names Marius's for names. them. Maybe they liked them better. Yeah, I think they're they're more appropriate to the Jupiter to the mythology. Jupiter mythology yeah. But yeah, so so we went with Simon Marius's <laughs> names for the moons. But we called them the Galilean moons to give credit <laughs> to the fact that he did discover them one day ahead of Simon Marius. He also discovered them. He they just didn't use his name, uh -huh. <laughs> which means they probably you know were Sid. Well, and there was Leslie, all this. There was Bob and Joe. <laughs> Well, and there was all this uh, drama because Galileo supported Copernican theory, yeah. which was not well received. No. So, Poor Galileo. Yeah, he didn't get a good reception no. in general mm -hmm. at the time. And then one other thing, sort of going back to the, the fact that Jupiter is thought to be the oldest planet in the solar system. Because it's so massive, because it's so old, the theory is there's a there's a hypothesis called the Grand Tack Hypothesis, which is that Jupiter formed past the snow line and then started moving towards the inner solar system, towards the sun, and along the way sort of cleared space. Because it was big? It was big and it pulled in a lot of objects. Mm -hmm. And so, so the theory is that it sort of cleared space towards the inner solar system, functionally eventually creating space for the planets of the inner solar system, including Earth, and then was pulled back towards the outer solar system by the development of Saturn, which is another gas giant. Interesting. So the theory is that Saturn and Jupiter's gravities affecting each other in movement through the solar system actually sort of created the orientation of planets that we have galaxy. now. Yeah. And that they kind of they, they sort of they sort work of together. in coordination ordered the planets. Yeah, they ordered see, oh my gosh, that's so fascinating to me. Yeah. That is so cool. So that's all the science I have about Jupiter. I think it's a very cool planet. It is. And and there's a lot that you can find out about it. NASA has 
information that you can share with kids and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. So definitely check out Jupiter, the planet, the planet, because it's, it's fascinating. It's this. And we're learning more about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there are still a lot of mysteries about how exactly it's composed, what that inner atmosphere is made of mm-hmm. because to what extent it's gas versus liquid yeah but because they've been able to send so many mm-hmm. missions to jupiter or at least taken advantage of being in the area right. while on another mission right they've doing gotten, the flybys doing yeah. the flybys they've gotten so much more information than we might have had otherwise what if the greatest tabletop hero you ever plays turns out to be yourself in vector attack of the meta pirates Move beyond imagination as Captain Vector and his meta pirates do battle from game world to world, following players from setting to setting in an attempt to enter the real world. Will you help Captain Vector in his Pinocchio-like quest to enter the real world? No. Yes. Or stop him from becoming a living nightmare? No. (laughs) Only you can decide. Vector, Attack of the Meta Pirates, can be purchased on drivethroughrpg.com on a pay-what-you-want basis. You always want Vector to win. I want Captain Vector to win. I'm sorry. But after we had Mother Multiverse here, and we did that interview with her. I want Captain Vector to win. And she had the, you know, it was like spooky. And Captain Vector was like a spooky. Captain Vector can be spooky and still valid. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) Now that we've talked about the science. we've talked science. About the planet. And we can now move on to, you know, the pagan stuff. The pagan stuff. The the, the deity and the, the astrology, all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about Jupiter, the deity. Mm-hmm. Um, Jupiter is, interestingly, the son of Saturn and supplanted Saturn. Because I, my understanding is that the, the Etruscans had a Saturn, basically, mm-hmm. like deity as their, their, major god. their major god. And Jupiter, his son, mm-hmm. took his spot. That happens sometimes kind in pantheons. Not unlike what happened with Kronos and Zeus. Yeah, this we, shit happens. You know, we had this switch. And Jupiter, he became the, the supreme deity associated with thunder, lightning, and storms. And we talked a little bit about this when we talked about the difference between... I forgot to mention. So I mentioned they can't prove that there's lightning on Venus. We have proven there's lightning, there's lightning on Jupiter. On Jupiter. And see, that's the thing that's interesting to me is like the Greeks and the Romans, they they really did make a lot of associations with their deities mm-hmm. that were that are kind of true about the planet, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> which is really, really, really fascinating really, correspondence. Really fascinating yeah. correspondence there. So, yeah, Jupiter was known as Jupiter Optimus Maximus mm-hmm. when he became the Republic deity. Like many of the deities, he had multiple names, multiple epithets. Yeah. Uh, and when when Rome was first founded, it was a monarchy. Yeah, and it was a monarchy, and he was a a king's god. Right. He was well. he was a typical deity of divine kingship and sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And so he was considered a protector of Rome uh, during peacetime, and uh, he was considered um you know a victor mm-hmm. if they had to go to war he was he was um paired with mars and right. we talked about in the mars episode mars mm-hmm. was considered the father of rome that's right so he was paired with mars and quirinus who is actually a deified version of romulus mm-hmm. so when rome don't was see people talk about quirinus as much but no. he's very interesting yeah but so that was when rome was first formed by the time you get to like julius caesar mm-hmm. and the the, the, republic. the republic is established 
that is when you get Jupiter Optimus Maximus. And, and at that point, his role sort of transitions mm -hmm. from divine kingship to the divine authority of the state. That's right. And of all the gods. Mm -hmm. He was considered a god of light. He was a protector during defeat, mm -hmm. but he also assisted in victory. So he was, he was Jupiter Invictus. Yes. He was the unconquered and he was Jupiter Triumphator, who mm -hmm. was, which was the victory. He maintained the welfare of the people. And so he was very important as far as just maintaining the peace over Rome. Right. And things like that. His symbol is a scepter with an eagle at the top, which became associated with the emperors. But here's the interesting thing. Not everybody appreciated Jupiter. Yeah. There were, for instance, Julius Caesar. Jupiter was his his guy, right? His, his patron deity. His patron, his patron deity. But once Julius Caesar was killed assassinated. and assassinated and deposed, other emperors didn't always follow suit. Mm -hmm. For instance, Augustus did not want to be considered a god, whereas Caligula, he, <laughs> he was a living god as far as he was concerned. He would wax and wane in popularity as the deity of Rome and the emperors and, yeah. and the government in prominence till, until finally... However, it was very common all throughout the, the history of Rome mm -hmm. to make oaths by Jupiter. Yes. Because that was one of his, his areas of authority was mm -hmm. oaths and sort of the right order of society. Law, yeah. Law order, um, so, oaths, So for a very long contracts. time, I don't think always, but for a long time and sort of sequentially, magistrates actually had to take oaths to Jupiter. Mm-hmm. But eventually, by the time Christianity came around and was, you know, starting to supplant mm -hmm. various deities, and the third century came around, Sol Invictus overtook Jupiter's cult. Right. And so Sol Invictus, the sun, the unconquered sun. Which we've talked about before. Right. Became the uh, deity of the soldiers and the army as instead of Jupiter. And everyone, really, because the, the yeah. Sol Invictus was sort of an attempt to have a one deity pantheon. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was in reaction to the Christian deity. Right. Jupiter didn't always have the cachet, if you will, um, in the government, but that doesn't mean that the people didn't necessarily think of him. No, Jupiter, although... He was always the, the, the head god. Yeah, he, ne he was never deposed from his position in the no. pantheon. Yeah. It was just a matter of whether he was prominent in politics. Exactly, exactly, because he was really considered the, the head major mm -hmm. deity of the government. Yeah. He was more popular in the early days, if mm -hmm. you will, when they were forming Rome and when yeah. Rome became a republic. But, uh, but worship of Jupiter never, like, Died no, out. it never died. Well, it, except in the army, it got replaced well, by Sol Invictus. Yes. But yeah, but but that was way at like the end of yeah, the that was, Empire. That was the third century CE. So when it comes to magic or, you know, Jupiter's influence, this goes both for the deity and the planet. Mm -hmm. um, but first, we'll, we'll do really more, I think, on the deity. It's religion, faith, legal matters, politics. Influencing those who are in authority or increasing authority or power. Mm -hmm. If that is something that you're dealing with, Jupiter would be a really good deity to seek out yeah. for assistance there, for court. If you have to types deal with any things, kind of legal matters, any kind of legal matters, dealing with elections especially, or government. Especially, I would think if you're dealing with a legal matter where you're up against someone mm -hmm. who has a lot of power, a lot of social or political power and authority over you. Mm -hmm. 
calling on Jupiter to sort of balance that scale mm -hmm. might be useful. Exactly. So that is really where a lot of uh, the deity's influence lies. Mm -hmm. um, but in astrologically, when you go to the planet, of course, the planet is considered the king of planets, right, which is why they called it the Jupiter. biggest one. Yep. The Romans actually identified the planet Jupiter as the star of Jupiter. And I think you could probably do both planetary and deity. You could kind of combine these. Mm -hmm. That's uh, obviously Thursday is associated with Jupiter. That's through Thor, through because Thor. when the Religio Romana hit the Norse and they were making all their comparisons, again, as mentioned previously, the head of the Norse pantheon is technically Odin, but they associated him with Mercury for very good reasons. Mm -hmm. So when they were looking for a Jupiter equivalent, they went with Thor because of the thunder lightning thing. Sweet. Although they could also have gone with Tyr because Tyr is also yeah. a sky god associated with legal matters and yeah. oaths. So. Um, Swan is just asking, could we call on Jupiter to protect the White House and Congress? I would think that would be an, uh, yeah, a possibility. Seems, that, seems yeah, that would be legit. It seems relevant, yeah. relevant interests. To protect the Congress, absolutely. Yeah. Growth, expansion, prosperity, good fortune, inner justice, as mm -hmm. well as justice in the world, morality, higher goals and ideals, long distance travel, foreign travel, higher education, freedom and exploration, humanitarian and protective roles. These now, are all things that are associated with both the planet, I think, and the deity. Now, I will say, I don't get a vibe from Jupiter so much of social justice. Mm -hmm. No. So much as legal justice. Yes. And those are two very distinct concepts mm -hmm. that you don't want to necessarily mix up. I'm not saying you couldn't work with Jupiter the god or Jupiter the planet for social justice purposes, mm -hmm. but I think... Because Jupiter is more structural? Mm -hmm. Yes, but we need, you know, if you're looking for, like, for instance, say, protecting Roe, LGBTQ matters, a Supreme Court ruling. Right. I would that say, would yeah. say go to Jupiter. Exactly. If you, wanna, if you want to interact with the, the legal government. structure and the government, Laws. Jupiter is a good call. If mm -hmm. you're just trying to, like, change minds and hearts, yeah, less Jupiter. Yeah. If you want to change laws, Jupiter. Jupiter. Exactly. That's where the humanitarian part mm -hmm. comes in. Yeah. More structured governmental role. And interestingly, gambling and merrymaking. <laughs> that's the jovial part. That's the jovial part, <laughs> because apparently Jupiter liked to have a good time. <laughs> but Jupiter could also, the deity could also... Good boy, did he ever. <laughs> he had a temper. Jupiter yes. had a freaking temper. and But apparently, uh, according to what I was reading, he had a temper and he would fucking smite you with his lightning. Very, very quickly. Very quickly. But he would he would rumble. So mm -hmm. you'd get a warning. You get the thunder first. You get the thunder. And then the lightning. And then you get the lightning. But I also read somewhere that he didn't use his lightning as punishment unless the other gods agreed. Interesting. So he sought consensus. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's a post-republic could be. Concept. Because it doesn't say he didn't punish when he was angry. Exactly. It just said he, he wouldn't use his lightning bolt. Unless the other punish. gods agreed. Well, unless the other gods agreed. So I wonder if monarchist Jupiter was mm -hmm. a little more free with the lightning bolts. <laughs> and Republican Jupiter had was, to have a consensus. Have to get the agreement of the whole tribe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the other gods before he would send 
a judgment yeah. in the form of a lightning bolt. Yeah. Didn't mean he wouldn't get angry and didn't mean he wouldn't do other wouldn't shit. Do something else, yeah. <laughs> but you guys had lots of options. Had lots but of options. But the lightning bolt was, was his was his divine judgment. It was his divine judgment. If you, you got if you got hit by a lightning bolt that or was, your town yeah. or you know whatever. That was a judgment yeah. from Jupiter. If there was a lightning strike, that was considered and a, in, a judgment and from in Jupiter. Republican Rome that had to be, judgment had to be mm -hmm. coming from the court. Yeah. And yeah. not just from the king. As Rabbit is saying, more justice, less retribution. Yeah. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So there, I would I would be really interested to know if that's a monarchist Republican that would development. Be, yeah, that would be interesting to do some research yeah. into his mythology and, and when how that, it developed. How that developed. Yeah. Because we have to remember he did he he started in the monarchy in the, with the Etruscans, mm -hmm. moved into what became Rome, mm -hmm. moved into what became the, the Roman Republic. Republic. Yeah. So yeah. So and so his roles changed over time. Over time. Yeah. So I that's think very that's interesting. very interesting. I have to do some research on that one. Right? Didn't really think about it all that much because, but he was the one who actually had a, a divine judgment device. Right. That the others didn't have. Right. Yeah. And if it requires special authority from the other gods to use, mm -hmm. that feels like a more Republican ideal than a monarchist ideal. Yep. Okay, so back to magic. The colors right. associated with Jupiter, mm -hmm. which probably goes along with the colors of the planet, are violet, deep purple, blue, and yellow. I think there's more, is there more red? The so planet? Jupiter, the orangey? planet, is sort of an orange swirly color. Okay. So, so it's, it's sort of a taupe to burnt orange. Okay, so maybe this has more to do with the royalty. I would guess so, yeah. Yeah, yeah the royalty, the kingship. Of the of the deity, of the deity yeah. and the planet, since it's considered the the ruler, the, king of, planets, the yeah. king of planets. So yeah, violet, deep purple, blue, and yellow are colors associated with Jupiter. The plants that are associated with with Jupiter in herbal and nature based mm -hmm. magic are often large, bold, darkly colored, leaved plants. Strong plants. Strong plants that have nutrient dense fruit. If they're uh, a fruit I, or I a food bearing. Like I saw oak was associated mm -hmm. with Jupiter. So your flowers and your fruit will often be yellow. Mm -hmm. Not always, but often. There is a huge ass list. Just pick the best Of ones. Jupiter plants. So just, you know, all you have to do is Google Jupiter plants, but just a, you know, like a handful of them would include agrimony, anise, ash, the, the, tree, right, the tree, balm of Gilead, barberry root, beet, mm. bell pepper. So you've got all kinds of things yeah. that you can, that you can go with. So again, just Google Jupiter or follow your vibe or follow your vibe. Yep. If you're an herbalist and you're looking for a plant that associated with Jupiter, mm -hmm. It would have to do with liver, blood. Strong things. <laughs> strong things, you know, in the body. Um, and then minerals that are associated with Jupiter uh, promote divine connection. Okay. Higher states of consciousness. Enhance luck. Encourage leadership qualities and success. And, of course, royalty. That tracks. And so the, I would think lapis lazuli is a big Jupiter star. Yes. Lapis lazuli, sugalite, lepidolite, amethyst, tin, sapphire, and diamond. I would think also, like, if you want to tap the planet energy specifically mm -hmm. instead of the deity mm -hmm. energy, I would think you get, like, a citrine yeah. or a carnelian. Carnelian is especially. Or, like, a... Something that matches a, its colors. Yeah, one of the orange agates where you get the swirls. Oh, yeah. Would be great for that, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Join our tiger Kelly on a visit to Tree Wizard Creations, where you can find custom engraved creations for all pets. They offer unique gifts and tools for altar, home, practice, and family. In addition to their standard product range, they offer custom commissions. If you can dream it, the wizard will create it. Contact them at treewizardcreations at gmail.com, follow them on Facebook, or find them online at treewizardcreations.com. That's tree wizard spelled with a Y, W-Y-Z-A-R-D, creations.com. And we really love Tree Wizard Creations. We have a few Yes, there are a few neat little things, things that they've made. Yes, exactly. Including a really excellent divining, uh, divining board yep. that they made. Which is actually... A, it's on a, a, on a tray table. On a tray table. It's yeah. wonderful. It's like a perfect little stand. It's great. And then Rhiannon says, first instinct about that, which I think is having to do with the lightning bolts and judgment, makes them think of Zeus and Asclepius. Mm-hmm. Uh, because something about how after he killed him so quickly and Apollo killing the Cyclops in retaliation, him deciding to get counsel before just throwing the lightning around willy-nilly. Asclepius was also worshipped in Rome. So, so I'm assuming their version of the story is similar exactly. to the Greek. Exactly. They may have kind of got that That's idea possible. from the Greeks. That's possible. I have no idea. But I would be really interested to see the timeline on that. Because those myths sometimes develop in correspondence to events that are happening mm-hmm. in politics or social development mm-hmm. or all these things. So, And we know that they did intermingle their, mm-hmm. you know, the ways they did government and their deities. Right, and the, the Romans borrowed, borrowed from, a great deal from the Greeks. From the Greeks. So. Uh, in particular. Mm-hmm. Because the Greeks had a good system. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of it for what I have on Jupiter. Yeah, I don't I don't have a whole lot else either. I mean, there is so much out there. This is really just skimming <laughs> the surface in this planetary series. Yeah. Because if you research j- just the planet, you're going to get a lot of information. Science stuff. Science stuff, but also astrological stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when you add the deity in there and then you, you combine the information about both, mm-hmm. there is so much. Yeah. So much information. Interesting interplay between the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some have a little more overlapping than others. Right. I thought it was really interesting that the Jupiter's, the gods' colors don't really match Jupiter, the planet's colors. Yeah. That is, but I think it has more to do with, I'm, now that I'm thinking about that. Yeah, it would have to do with the royalty. It would royalty have more to do with the royalty. I would say that's an easy way to distinguish visually which one you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, go with blue, purple colors. If you're talking about Jupiter, the god, go yeah. with orangey, yellow colors. If you're talking about Jupiter, the planet. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. Exactly. Alrighty then. Yeah, so I guess we're going to wrap up here. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to find us, <laughs> Google us, as Carl would say. Yes, Car- Car's not here, so we have to say it instead. Yep, Google three pagans and a cat. That is the number three, uh-huh. pagans and a cat. If you Google us, you will find us on, on Facebook, all the stuff. Twitter, YouTube, uh, our own website, mm-hmm. All the, all the social medias. Various things. You'll find Gwen's Patheos blog. Patheos blog. Please come visit me. Yeah. See what I'm writing about and see what the other Patheos pagan writers are writing about. Lots, there's of, some lots really, of good writers on Patheos. There's a lot of good new writers yeah. as well. So there, it's really been a very interesting creative time uh, on, on Patheos Pagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just kind of out there. <laughs> you can find us on all of the, the, the platforms. You know, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Uh-huh. Scare your Christian friends and neighbors. I don't know. Your Christian friends and neighbors are also welcome to listen. Yes, they are. And just warn everyone, we are an explicit explicit podcast. podcast.